Well, hey guys, I'm so glad to be here um, with y'all this morning. Man, we're in the middle of a series on politics. And if uh, you're an American and you're alive right now, then uh, politics, you realize, is all over the place. And in fact, I would say that I'm, I'm pretty sick and tired of politics right now. Anybody, anybody agree with me? Okay, yeah. I mean, it's all over the place. In fact, we can't, I would say that you can't escape politics. I've always told people I would like, like to be just gone for a couple months and just see what happens and come back and that'd be fine with me. But honestly, we can't escape uh, the, the political environment that we find ourselves in. We just, we just can't get away from it. That's who we are. And I would say this, that, that Jesus in the New Testament, back in his day, he couldn't escape it either. He was right in the middle of political turmoil. And there were different sides going, there's different things going on behind the scenes. And in fact, there were some political people and, and groups that were against him. He couldn't escape it either. What's great about Jesus is he actually called out the political leaders. Amen. I mean, he was something that we probably like all want to do. You know, you hear people on the news and you see them say things, hear them say things. You go, man, I just, I just want to tell them off just once. You know, I just want to tell them what I believe and, and why I believe it. Jesus, he was able to do that. He called political leaders out. In fact, we're going to be in the gospel of Mark today. And in Mark chapter 12, a couple weeks ago, I preached a sermon on one of Jesus's stories that he told, um, one of his parables. And he told the, the parable of, of the wicked farmers. And he wasn't telling the parable to his followers who were standing behind him. He was telling them to these religious rulers, these political figures. He was telling them a story and saying, hey, you guys are the wicked farmers. He said, I'm, God is going to take you away and put other people in in your place to do what God has called them to do. He was calling them out, and they didn't like it at all. And so as soon as he finishes this parable, something happens, another incredible story that I'd like for us to focus on today. So we'll be in Mark chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 13. And Jesus is this incredible thing about Jesus. He, he's such a, a, an incredible person that brings people together, doesn't he? Like he, I mean, he, he brings churches together, and we're all together. And if we were to really figure out why we are together, we would say it's because of Jesus. But if you go back to the story, Jesus not only brought people that loved him together, but he brought people that hated him. He brought them together. And so you had these two opposing sides in this story. There was these different political factions. I guess you could almost call them like political parties of the day. And he actually brought them together because they hated him so much. They were scared of him. They didn't want um, him to take the, the power that they had. They were, they were afraid of what he was going to do and what his followers were going to do. And so we read this story, that something really incredible that happens. Mark chapter 12, starting verse 13, here's what the Bible says. It says, And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. So here are the two sides. You have... On one side, you have the Pharisees, and these guys are pro-Israel, okay? And on the other side, you also have Jews. These are, these are all Jews, but you had the Pharisees are pro-Israel. On the other side, you had the Herodians, and the Herodians got their names from King Herod. And so these were Jews, but they were pro-Roman. 
They loved um, what Roman authority brought to them, which was political power and influence. They loved the benefits that Rome brought to them. And so you have the pro-Israelites over here, and you have the pro-Romans over here. And they come together to try to what? To try to trap Jesus. This is a big setup. They're trying to, to corner him in his beliefs and in his political statements so that they could get rid of him. Here's what it says in verse 14. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know, man, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly, you know what you do? You teach the way of God. Why would a Pharisee and the Herodians, who people that hate Jesus, why would they say that to him? They're trying to flatter him, right? I mean, they're trying to butter him up, right? To let, his, let him have his guard uh, kind of drop down a little bit. Has that happened to you where someone is just talking a little bit too nice to you? And you're going, okay, what's the catch? Usually it happens with your kids, right? Your kids are like, oh, mom, dad, you're just the best. You're like, okay, what's going on? What'd you do or what do you want, right? And so that's what was going on there. They were trying to, to flatter him. And then he says this, or says this in the rest of verse 14. They ask this question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? You know what this was? This is like the political, like the media is today, who are very political. And they'll get a candidate and they kind of corner that candidate and they begin to ask the candidate, you know, some softball questions and kind of butter them up. And then they have that, that gotcha question, you know. That one question that's going to be on, the, on the, the front page of the newspaper. It's going to be on the top of the, the, head, the, the website headlines. They're trying to get Jesus caught in this gotcha question about taxes. Who should we pay taxes to? To Caesar or not? Now, taxes back then, it wasn't like they, they paid them all the time, but it was, it was more of a, it's called a tribute tax. And this tax was something they had to pay as a poll tax. They had to pay once a year. Uh, the, the men in the family had to pay this, and it was um, a day's wage, a denarius. And that's what they were supposed to pay to the, the Roman um, officials so they could also keep track of how many people were in the Roman province where they lived. And these Herodians, these, these uh, pro-Roman um, Jews, they liked the tax because they believed that the government should be over the, the religious um, rulers. That's how it should be. And the Pharisees on this side said, no, no, no. We think the religious rulers should be, have authority over the government. And so there was this conflict about who was supposed to get the tax. And what they're asking is, they're saying, Jesus, is it right that, that we should pay taxes to Caesar? Or is it, is it lawful? Does God allow us? Does God want us to do that? And this is just a big trap. Because there's only two answers, right? Yes or no. If, they say, if Jesus says yes, then what he's saying is that, I support the Roman rule. And if he did that, then all the people would abandon him. That was what they thought. And if he said, no, you don't have to pay the taxes to, to Rome, then the people would support him, but the Romans would arrest him. And so they had Jesus boxed into a corner. And here's what happens in verse 15. The Bible says, but knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. 
really what was going on is you got to get dig down into this story and figure out what was their motivation. These two different political parties, what was their motivation? And really their motivation was politics or power. It was the number one thing in their life. It, it, it was the reason they made all the decisions they made and did all the things they did. Politics was number one in everything. When they woke up, they were thinking about politics. When they went to bed, they were thinking about politics. And every time in between, they were thinking about politics. And the question I have for us as we begin is this. Is that you? Is politics number one in your life? Right now, in the middle of this political arena we find ourselves in, this, this quagmire of everything's going, it's crazy, and, and it's easy to get caught up in politics. I'm, I'm the worst. I'm preaching to myself today because, I mean, I can get up in the morning, first thing I want to do is get on the news and see what's happening, right? I'm going to bed, I'm like, what, what's going on? And, and during the day in between, I'm trying to figure out what's the new headline, what's the, the big scoop, what's going on politically, who's up in the polls, who's down, you know, what did, what did one candidate say, what did another candidate say? It, it's crazy, we can get so wrapped up in our political party and our political agendas that they can kind of define who we are. They're number one in our lives. And I think there's some principles for politics today that we can pull out of this scripture. And the first one is Jesus' example here. Jesus sets us up with an incredible example of how we should live our lives as believers in Christ. And it's this one. Number one. Let your Christianity impact your politics, not politics, your Christianity. Let your Christianity impact your beliefs, your political beliefs, not the other way around. You ever heard the joke about uh, the Republican and the Democrat and Jesus walking to a bar? You heard that one? <laughs> Me either. I, I'm just making that up right now. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Side note, Jesus, if you get offended by that, Jesus, um, if he was here today, he would probably go into a bar, amen? He would go into a bar because where, where are the sinners? They're in a bar, right? So he would be where sinners are. And throughout the Gospels, he's going and being where sinners are. And so don't get offended by that. But that, that has nothing to do with, with what I'm trying to say. But if you had a Republican and you had a Democrat, and they sat down with Jesus, and they said, Jesus, whose side are you on? Jesus, are you Republican? Are you Democrat? Are you conservative? Are you liberal? What is your political affiliation? What would Jesus say? Here's what I think Jesus would say based off of his example around here. He would say this. That's not the question. The question is, do you align up with what I'm teaching? Ultimately, you and I are going to have to submit to Jesus. Ultimately, the Republicans, the Democrats, the conservatives, the liberals, the Bible says you have to line up with what Jesus teaches. You have to line up with the gospel. It's not about Jesus picking a political side. It's about letting our faith impact our politics and not the other way around. Let me, let me kind of break, or break this down a little bit to help you understand what this means. Have you ever been on the outside of a conversation and you just didn't really know what was going on? Be like, man, this is really important. And so what do you do? You kind of lean in, don't you? You kind of lean into that conversation. How many of y'all have terrible hearing? Anybody? Okay. So I'm kind of the same way. And so like, huh, what do you say? Like, I, I want to I hear what you're having to say. What we're doing is you're leaning into that conversation. 
And the question really is, is where are you leaning right now? I'm not talking about are you leaning more conservative or you're leaning more liberal. I'm saying are you leaning into Christ right now or are you leaning into the political heads right now? Are you leaning into Christ or do you spend the majority of your time listening to podcasts about, about politics or on websites or, or in the newspaper or um, watching Fox News or CNN? Like where, where does your affiliation lie? Are you spending more time with Christ or are you spending more time in that arena. And that's a serious thing that we have to figure out because here's the deal. Whichever side you lean into more, it's gonna affect the other side. It's gonna affect your beliefs and what you do on the other side. So if you're leaning more into Christ, man, it's gonna affect your politics. You know what, if your politics is like number one in your life, it's the biggest thing, just like these Herodians and these Pharisees, then it's gonna affect what you believe about God and how you interact with scripture. It will affect that. So maybe here's a challenge for you. For, maybe for the next two weeks or week and a half, however long this is, next two months. I don't know how long this election is going to take be, to be finished with. But how about for the next little while, as long as this election takes, that we would commit to spending more time in Scripture than we do in politics. What would happen in our lives if we did that? That's a big challenge because it's very easy to make this all about everything right now. We need to center our lives around Christ and not about being a Democrat or a Republican. Let's look at verse 17. This is the, the biggest verse of all, the, of all this whole passage. And it says this, Jesus said to them, he answers and says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. That is the beginning of his answer. He is boxed into a corner. Who do you believe? Which side are you on? Who should get the tax? And he says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And here's what that teaches us today. Number two, this political principle that we are citizens here. We are citizens of the United States. Simple as that. We are citizens here. Anybody have a coin? Hold it up. I need to use it. Like, it's part of the sermon. I need to, come, I need to go down and get it. Anybody have a, a coin? Like a good coin. You can't bring me, not a penny, not a nickel. It may have a good coin. Okay, what do you got? Come on, bring it up here. It's a quarter. Oh, no. Nope. Uh, that would have that been really bad. That would have gone bad. That would have been the shortest sermon ever. Um, it would have been done. All right, thank you. Quarter, right here. Who's on the front of quarter? Yeah, George Washington. Very good. His, his outline of his face, his head, is on the quarter. Well, back in their day, they had the denarius, okay? And on the front of the denarius, there was an image on the front. And Jesus asked, whose image is on this? And they say, Caesar's. They answer him. And on the front, it, if I was being a little more specific, it has this, this image of Tiberius Caesar, the emperor of the day. And on the front, it actually said, Tiberius Caesar Son of divine Augustus. That was what the front said. And if you flipped it over to the back, it said Pontifex Maximus, high priest of the Roman nation. That's what the, the coin said. And this coin was in circulation all around Israel. And so every time the Pharisees, they had to go pay for something. They had to use the denarius. They had to use uh, other Roman coins, but they all had the same thing on them. Every time Jesus and his disciples had to go uh, buy a meal 
or get bread or they they gave money to someone, it had this on the front. How do you think the Israelites felt about using this money? Because here's what this money actually said. It said, Caesar is Lord, he is king, and he is high priest. And they were having to use that money. Isn't that crazy? How would you feel if on the front of our quarters it said, Donald Trump, king of the United States. And on the back it said, Joe Biden, high priest of our country. Like, I mean, we'd be like, what in the world? Like, I don't want to use this at all. I don't want to use that. But the, the Israelites, they had to use this all the time. And Jesus says, give it back to him. He says, this is, this is Caesar's, just give it back to him. And so giving to Caesar what is Caesar's means for us today this, a couple things. We will support the government. We talked about it last week, about how government is being used by God all over the world, whether they're good or bad, to make much of Christ, to create an, an uh, arena for the gospel to go forth. And so when we look at a coin, when we look at the flag, when we see the, the stars and the stripes, we know what those represent, we know what those mean. And so we can support our government by following the law, by paying our taxes, by, by uh, being active in our government, by serving in our government, by giving honor and, and uh, praise to our government when that is due. That's how we can support our government. But giving to Caesar what is Caesar's also means that we can be politically active. We can be politically involved. And I hate this idea that some people put out there that as Christians, we're supposed to just stay out of politics. Because you know what happens when Christians stay out of politics? The country does this, right? Nowhere in scripture do I see that we're supposed to stay out of politics. So we're supposed to be active in our politics. We are supposed to go and vote. We're supposed to go and and advocate for a, a moral agenda. We're supposed to go and look at scripture and let it dictate and affect our politics and then begin to live that out in the political arena. We're supposed to go and do that. But here's a catch with that. We have to do all of that as ambassadors for Christ. We have to realize that as we are being politically active, first and foremost, we're representing Christ. Matthew 10, 16, Jesus is sending out his disciples to be out in the world. Just like if you're going out into politics, you're kind of going out in the world. And he says this, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So what does he say to him? So take a megaphone and make sure you're on Facebook all the time and you're, you're posting all sorts of stuff and make sure you're taking your Bible and hitting people on the head and, and showing them who's boss and who's right. No, he doesn't say that. He says this, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. What is he saying? He's saying to be smart, right? Being smart with your politics, realizing that you and I represent Christ, not just here in, in, in church, but when we're out in our community, when we're online, we represent Christ. And we need to be careful about what we say and how we say it. Because it may be something you truly believe in just deeply and passionately. But you know what? Politics is not why you were created. You're created to serve and honor and love God and tell other people about him. And you can do that in how you engage in politics. Because here's the deal. We're citizens here, but there's another principle that we need to look at. And it's number three. Christians are citizens of heaven. 
So we're, we're citizens here, but we're also citizens of heaven. And we need to be really careful here because this is dealing with our, our number one allegiance. And so we can, we can put our hands over our heart. We can pledge allegiance to the flag, to the United States, and say and we're honoring our country. But in reality, as Christians, we need to give our number one allegiance to God. He needs to be number one in our lives. Philippians 3.20 says this, But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our citizenship is in heaven. So here's what it's saying. Before you're an American, and that is your badge of honor, before you're an American, you are a Christian. If you're a believer in Christ in this room or online, you are an American. You're a citizen of heaven. Let me kind of unpack that, that, what that means. It's all about your allegiance. Who's number one in your life? We're citizens of heaven. Here's what that looks like. If you are a Christian Republican here, if you are a Republican who is a citizen of heaven, I believe the Bible says that you should have more in common with a Democrat who is a citizen of heaven than a Republican who is not a citizen of heaven. And that's a big statement right there because we find our identity a lot of times in our politics. And I'll go one step further. If you are a Christian American, you're an American who is a citizen of heaven, you should have more in common with a Russian or a Chinese citizen of heaven than you do with a, an American who is an unbeliever. And that's tough. Because as Americans, that's part of who we are, is we want to be patriotic, right? We want to love our country, and we do, and we can be that way. We should be that way. When it comes down to it, we should love and have a desire for our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. Because you know where all of our citizenship is? Number one is our citizenship is in heaven. It should be a big priority for us. It should be a big thing. Ultimately, our allegiance is to God. And it shouldn't be to a country who is, that's only 244 years old. Or to a political party that's even younger than that. I know those are big statements and kind of, kind of deep. I'm not saying that you can't be, you can't be a patriot here in, this, in the United States. I am. I, I love our country so much. But you know what? Our number one allegiance is to God. Our citizenship is in heaven. Here's the final principle for today. And we see this in verse 17 again. And it's this. That you should give the coin to Caesar and yourself to God. That's what this scripture says. Look back at verse 17. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And so Caesar, this is yours. You can have the coin. You can have my taxes. You can have my support. You can have my active involvement in politics. You can have those things. You can even have my patriotism. But God you have my heart. God, you have my allegiance. God, you have my hope. My hope is found in you. What you're saying is, what we should be saying is that right now, what we cling to in 2020 should be God. And right now, all around our country, there are people from different political viewpoints that are clinging to their belief. And that is everything to them. And that's not how it should be. We should give to Caesar what is Caesar's. That's fine. We should be active. We should be involved. But you know what? 
We need to give ourselves to God. You see, because this coin, what's on the coin? Whose image does it bear? Well, this one, George Washington. But Denarius had Caesar's face on it. And in Roman times, it was actually meant that that was the property of Caesar. It was his. You're just using it, but it was actually his. And so Jesus says, give it back to him. It's his. The coin has, it bears the image of Caesar. But whose image do we bear? We bear God's image, right? So the Bible is saying, Jesus, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but you give to God yourself. You give it to him. There's a phrase in, in our country. It's been a part of our country for a little long time. In fact, in 1957, it became um, our national motto, and we actually began to put it on, on our currency. Do you all know what that phrase is? In God we trust, right? So if you have money, you can pull it out right now. i got a $20 bill right here. And on the front, man, it's got a Jackson on there. you got 20 about a million times on there, a bunch of different ways. You turn it over, and it's got a picture of the White House. And above the White House, kind of wrapping around the American flag up on a flagpole, it says, in God we trust. Man, what a great reminder that the money that we have, that as we use it, we're saying we support the government, but as we use it, it also can be a reminder to us that say, you know what? My trust, my hope is not in money. My hope is not in politics. My hope is not even in our government. My hope is not in um, my political party. My hope is not in my candidate that I've got yard signs all over the place and I have flags, you know, in my car and I drive around. My hope is not in those things. My hope is in God. We can look at this and say, you know, this is it's true. In God we trust. And so let me finish with this. Let me finish with this question. This is kind of the application for today's message. How do we apply um, what Jesus is teaching us here? How do we apply this? Well, during this election, election season, I have this question for you. Are you giving God your trust? Are you giving him your trust? Because we can support the American process. We can go and vote. We can be active. We can support a cause. But we need to give God the trust in our lives. And here's a great way to, to kind of see if this would be true. If your party loses, if your candidate loses, will you be okay? Will you be okay? Here's what it looks like when, when you're not going to be okay. I, back in 2016, when Hillary Clinton lost and everybody thought she was going to win, I remember there's this, there's this, this, this video that lays all over the internet and she's like down on her knees and she's like crying going, no! Right? Have you ever seen that? It's crazy. You may go look it up. It's, it's hilarious. I look at it and she's crying. I feel, feel bad, but God, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. But, um, but man, you look and you just go, how, how did she get to that point, right? How did she get to that place where she lost it? It's because her Savior died, right? Like everything that she was hoping for and believing in, the political party that she was supporting and the candidate, it was everything to her. And there's people all across our country, and that is the deal. Man, they, they are nervous. There's anxiety. They don't know what's going to happen. You may be the same way because you know what? If your political party or candidate loses, you don't know what you're going to do. And that's not how it should be because you're placing your trust in a sinful person. We're not supposed to do that. We need to put our trust in God. Because you know what? 
whenever this election is over, I don't want to say uh, November 3rd that night because I don't know how long this is going to last. But whenever this is over, you know who's still on his throne? God, right? He is still on his throne. It doesn't really matter because he is going to do whatever he wants to do and his will is still going to go forth. I'm telling you what, I would rather trust someone who's trustworthy than a politician, <laughs> right? You preach, right? Yeah, amen. Here's what Psalm 27 says. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some people, some political parties, some candidates, they trust in those things. You know what? We're going to trust in God. For some of you in this room, you may go, you know what? I've never trusted in God. My life is just all crazy, and I don't know what the future holds for me, and I've been trying so hard to gain a right standing with God. And I'm searching after truth in my life. I'm telling you what, today may be the day you need to put your trust in Christ. That whatever happens politically, it doesn't matter. What's most important is where you line up with Christ. Do you trust him or do you not? We want to invite you, if you've never done that, man, here in a minute, we want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Christ because it's the most important decision you can make. It's not, it's not who you're going to vote for, but it's what you decide to do with Jesus. I encourage you, man, if that's you, if God's pulling on your strings, you know, don't, don't wait. Give him your heart today. Put your trust in Christ. Let him save you. And I want to finish with this. The very end of this story, there's this little phrase that I don't want to leave with, leave without saying this. In verse 17 at the very end, it says this. After he did all that, they didn't try to stone him or arrest him. It says they marveled at him. They were amazed at what he just said. They had this perfect trap set and, and they were just amazed at what he said. I think for us, this is a big opportunity for you and for me. How we do politics can be transformative in people's lives. And so I want to, to save that for next week. I want us to take a look at a better way to do politics where it might change someone's belief about Christianity, about how Christians act, and about Jesus himself. So let's give the coin to Caesar. Let's give ourselves to God. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to, opportunity to open up your word and live in a country where we can do that freely and we can even put it online and people all over the world can, can listen to it and interact with us and we don't have to be fearful. And so we thank you, God. We don't take that for granted. We, we love you for that. And God, we love our country and we don't know what's going to happen, but God, we just pray for our country. We pray like we did last week. We pray for all the candidates. We pray that if they don't know you, Jesus, that they would uh, give their lives to you and they would have people uh, who are strong believers all around them and the decisions that they make and are going to make would, would make much of Christ here in this world. God, that you would get all the glory for that. God, we just pray uh, that your will be done in our election process. God, we also just confess to you that there might be some of us that would say, you know what, my allegiance and my affiliation and uh, my citizenship is first and foremost to my political party or my beliefs or my candidate or even to this country. And God, I think that's a dangerous place for us to be because God, first and foremost, we're supposed to be citizens of heaven. 
We're supposed to be yours. So God, we confess where we've maybe fallen short and messed up and, and uh, we've leaned in too much to the politics and God, we need to lean more into Jesus and what the scriptures have to say. So I pray God over the next few weeks that we'd be able to do that. That we would turn down the noise and turn up the gospel in our lives. God, I pray you'd help us to put you first. Help us to find our trust and our hope in a God who is never shaken, no matter what happens. Help us, God, to give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but God, help us to give ourselves to you because we bear your image. We are yours. Help us to give ourselves back to you today. And I pray, God, there's anyone in this room who's never given their life to you and never put their trust in you and they've been trusting in themselves and their own abilities. I pray, God, that today might be the day that they would trust in you. And I pray, God, if there's anybody here who's feeling left out, they feel that they're all alone in this, this Christian life because they don't have a Christian home. Maybe, God, you're calling some people in this room to, to join our church. I pray, God, that you would just move in their hearts and stir their spirit to do that today, to come and be a part of um, a group of believers who are messed up, who are sinners, but who follow a sinless Savior and are trying to live for Jesus every day, to come and be a part of our church. God, whatever you're calling people to do right now, I pray you would move in our spirits today. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you all stand with me as we have an opportunity to respond to today's message. If any of those things are you, if you'd like to talk to one of our staff about that, we have a connection room over here. We'd love to spend some time and talk to you about what it means to give your life to Jesus, to trust in him, or also to come and be a part of our church. We're gonna sing one more song before we're dismissed.